Just waiting for everyone to join, and then we'll get started. Um, hope everyone enjoyed that. This miniature selection of tunes that you can get through Twitter Spaces at the minute. <laughs> I'll try and hold off on pressing the soundboard with like loads of stupid noises, but I am an impulsive person, so can't confirm anything. Is um who's who's on the gearbox account today? Is it Muggle? Hey, yeah, boss. Muggles is aside from Gearbox today. How are you doing? All good, boss. Ilgis yeah. will be joining us as well. Yeah, no problems at all. Well, bro, I'm hoping you're not sick of my voice. I know we recorded for a session on the Blockmates uh, podcast no, on no. YouTube this week. <laughs> no, it's, it's always an interesting one, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. We'll give it a few minutes yeah. to get everyone in, but um, it is anyone listening it is recorded. So when it, if you have to drop drop out at any point, um, we'll get the audio pulled down and put on Spotify, YouTube, and Google, and wherever people listen to podcasts these days. Um, so yeah, just wait for everyone to come in, and then we'll get started.
see Carvas is attempting to join at the minute from uh, from the Lido side. Last time we spoke was um, in a tapioca Discord stages and um, came away being a Carvas bull personally. So be interesting to see what this guy has to say. Looks like he's having a, a couple of difficulties, as always, with two spaces. Yep. The hardest part of spaces is joining them. <laughs> I just, I have hope that they'll get it right. Um, I think they're kind of leaning on wanting to be more, much more multimedia. And, um, but yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> Ilgis is here too. All right. Looks like we're nearly ready. All right. Carvis, you working? Testing, testing. Right. Are you guys here? Yeah, all good. All good. All right. Awesome. Um, everyone good to go? Yeah, boss. All right. All right. Well, thanks everyone for coming. Quite a lot of you here. Always good to see. Um, but yeah, today, Gearbox, Lido, lots of LSD discussion, get into what it means coming up with Shanghai Upgrade and all that kind of good stuff. So um, I think supposed to kick us off, uh, let's go from left to right from on my screen. We've got Carvos, the Gearbox, and then uh, Perry. But yeah, if we could start with Carvos, just um, brief intro, day to day, what you're doing at Lido, and then we'll just work along the chain and see um, what everyone's up to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Carvis. Um, I'm a contributor at Lido. My main, my main work has been for the past uh, half a year, I would say, um, working and managing the, the rewards program, which is basically Lido's liquidity program of incentives of how we incentivize all of the different pools that we have for the different ST assets. So ST Sol, ST, ST ETH, ST Matic, and all of the others. Um, other than this, I, I do some of some BD work and some analytics work, um, but it's always related to how can we maintain as deep as possible on-chain liquidity for, for Lido's assets. And yeah, happy to be speaking now. Uh, I heard the intro blockmates from, uh, from the last time we spoke on, on the Tapioca Discord, and, and thanks for that as well. <laughs> kind words. <laughs> no problem at all, no problem. So uh, I think we've got Muggle on the Gearbox account, so yeah. Hey, hi bosses. I largely look uh, after the marketing side. So I'm a marketing side contributor for Gearbox. So yeah, I largely shitpost and uh, wait for Elgis bosses to actually vote. And uh, then I go ahead and just make content out of it. Yeah, I think we're all we're all professional shitposters at times, aren't we? So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, just moving along the chain. Uh, we've got, yeah, let's, let's go. Yeah, hi everybody. My name is Ilgis. Uh, I'm working on product side, responsible for math, uh, risks, and definitely related for this side on Gearbox. Nice. So um, there might be a few. Oh, 
if you if you aren't unaware of both protocols, um, one where where have you been? But um, I suppose this is all supposed to be a little bit more educational as well. But um, if we could start with Carvas and just give the high level of Lido, and then we'll go along a uh, high level of Gearbox, and then we'll start getting into the synergies, like looking at kind of what's happening with Shanghai and how the kind of synergies work between the two protocols. So yeah, Carvas, if you take it away with a high level of Lido, uh, that'd be great. Absolutely. So. Um, super high-level TLDR of LIDO for anyone that's not aware. So LIDO um, was one of the protocols that introduced liquid staking, uh, especially for for Ethereum, because uh, Ethereum has had this peculiarity for two years now, where it's um, it's the largest chain that enables staking of, of native assets, but um, there's no way to unstake. So it was a one-way... It was and is still a one-way um, directional staking ability where people couldn't exit those positions. That they had staked um, unless their own infrastructure or, or just giving a read to a set last player like a sex and staking Vietnam you get I don't know if it's just on my end it might be cutting out a little, little bit with still uh... ah, sorry right. um, I'm to fix it... that yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, are, you, are, you, are, you get, are you getting Carvis slightly clearer, or is it is it? Oh no, is it my end? Really All right. Well, while we're while we're talking that, let's uh let's get the kind of high level of gearbox where how we've got to the point we are now, and then I suppose while Carvis is sorting that out, then we can kind of um get back and to start talking about some synergies and kind of how both protocols can work together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ilgis was, why don't you take it? I mean, you're the OG over here, so you should go ahead and take this one. Yeah, yeah, I, okay. Uh, so, Gearbox is two-sided protocol. Uh, so, sure-side is like passive uh, pool liquidity providers. Uh, very similar to Compound on the other side. Uh, and interesting part happens on the other side. Uh, it's the sites where we can get leverage and apply usually to any DeFi protocol. So actually Gearbox acts as generalized leverage tool for any DeFi protocol in our space. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, if you want to add something, please go. Yeah, exactly as uh, Ilgis Boss said, uh, we are effectively a base layer of leverage for uh, whatever DeFi protocols that, you know, uh, we can work on with safely at the moment. So risk and safety is one of our key priorities, which is why we do not have as extensive a list at the moment. But uh, that's the goal at the end point of becoming a generalized leverage protocol. How we do this is through a tech piece called CA and a lending market, on the other hand, uh, 
you can effectively borrow funds in order to gain leverage. Uh, the funds that you borrow can be up to 9x of your collateral and that's how you gain leverage. All of these funds, the borrowed funds as well as your collateral go to the credit account that we talked about and thus are never in the ownership of the person who actually created the account but they can point it towards the strategies that are allowed. So it's a very safe mechanism of gaining leverage on-chain uh, while still ensuring that there is no bad debt. Yeah, and there's uh, some pretty good uh, borrowing APIs on some of the assets in the, in the pool if anyone's looking for a little bit of... Uh, yep. We actually recently had Balancer deploy a gauge because of how consistently good and safe the LP passive site has been over the last few months since we launched V2. And uh, yeah, so that's been going good. That's a pretty good use case. Yeah, can, can you just expand on that a little bit? Because as I say, when we when we chatted last time, I, I kind of thought I'd covered the whole protocol. And then and you started bringing up like how um, protocols could use it for, for the LP side as well. Yeah. Um, just, I just thought that was really interesting. I think everyone would be... Um, interested here absolutely so uh here's how i'll actually put it so if you look at our lending side our lending side varies uh from the general lending markets that we have seen till now in the manner that utility is available on the d app itself like right through leverage which has which from what we have seen has had very good demand uh just by the potential of it the kind of uh, uses that we have at the moment, we can even probably triple our TVL and still have a similar level of utilization, which is a great thing to have. What this does, though, is uh, it effectively gives you a very consistent and high APY. So what Balancer has done is they looked at this, they looked at the model where uh, you can actually lend your funds without the borrower custodying them. And they have effectively deployed a gauge for their LPs. So usually what happens is LPs sit in a pool and uh, they make money through trading fees or, you know, different things. But the funds in itself, the ones that are not being swapped consistently, so there's some capacity for deployment on that side. So any idle uh, LP funds that they have, where they feel the liquidity is too high for a pool, they're now going to start putting that into these gauges so that they can generate some additional yield on it thus making their LPs more productive. So that's where they have chosen Gearbox amongst a couple more protocols uh, where they'll be depositing their funds from the LPs, uh, thus boosting RTVL and while making their LPs productive. So that's a very good use case. And Gearbox is a two-sided market, right? Because a lending market is also something that performs very well. And leverage is something that's where the true innovation lies and actually fuels the LP site. Nice. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that was that was great when you kind of brought that up uh, during our last chat, but it was really good to reiterate that. Carver, see you back. Are you with us? Um, I'd just love to, if you're alive and working, <laughs> I'd love to get into... And how I, 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 yeah, I think, you're, I think you're back. I'd just love to get into kind of how yeah. you guys at Lido are thinking about um, how you guys are positioning for Shanghai. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge kind of upgrade across the network, but I think more importantly for, for the liquid staking providers and kind of um, protocols that are kind of partnering or built around those products as well. So I'd love to hear what how you guys are thinking internally about Shanghai and just to try and give us a little bit of insight on how you guys are thinking. Yeah, of course. Um, so let me know if the connection is good now. I, I tried to switch Wi-Fi sources. Um, for Shanghai, it's off 
obviously, it, I would say it's probably uh, number one or number two most important upgrades uh, that affect Lido directly. Of course, the merge being the other. Um, Lido introduced recently, I think, um, maybe like two weeks ago, uh, Lido V2, who, which is also the largest um, technical upgrade to the Lido protocol itself since launch, uh, it, which was in December 2020. And Lido V2 introduces introduces two main things that are very related um, to the timing of the Chang'e place in, in, in March. The first one, um, it's not the main thing that I'm probably going to discuss because it's um, it would be better to have other people discussing that first thing, which is the staking router. And the staking router is basically a way that um, in the future, uh, Ethereum that's staked with Lido is going to be routed to different uh, ways and different agents that will validate those blocks and and and, um, and actually stake it for the users that hold the STs. And then the second one is implementation of withdrawals. So basically, uh, as I was saying in the intro, but then uh, my connection cut off. Uh, since the beginning of, of the launch of the weekend chain in December 2020, um, there has been the ability to stake it, uh, but never to unstake it. Um, and that was one of the main use cases of liquid staking. So you could just sell the tokenized position instead of actually having to unstake. And now you're going to be able to do both, right? So uh, post implementation of withdrawals at Lido and post um, Shanghai upgrade to Ethereum, you will be able to both sell your ST from the market or actually go directly um, and then stake the from it. Um, yeah, basically that's that's the thing. In terms of impl implications for LIDO, I think the two main things that will have to change, one of them is this implementation and then the other, I think is more pertaining to my work so I can give a bit more context there, which is that for a long time, one of the biggest um, centers of incentives that Lido was giving out and, and also one of the biggest um, costs for the DAO was to incentivize very, very deep pools in DeFi. Um, so for the past two years, probably like the deepest pool in, in, in all DEXs was the STEETH and ETH curve pool. Uh, in, in the bull market, it had five, six billion dollars of TVL, just one pool, right? And even now during the bear, it has over 1.5 billion. And post withdrawals, it's not going to be as important to have uh, two billion of on-chain liquidity for Steve, because um, at the end of the day, there there will be redeemability, and so people will not have to rely on on always exiting of of stake positions by selling them on the market. And so we normally when I, when I I talk about this, I say that for a liquid staking token um, before. There was only secondary markets, and now there's going to be a primary market as well. So uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that, that will come up. I think this is actually counterintuitively very good for liquid stacking, because w one could say that liquid stacking loses some of its value proposition post-withdrawals, because uh, now other types of stacking that are not liquid can also kind of get the liquidity of exiting. But um, there's another way of saying it, which is that... Um, if you have, if you know that you have the ability to unstake, uh, it also de-risks a lot the act of staking itself, right? And one of the things that is very curious about Ethereum now is that it's the largest by by uh, market cap. Um, it's the largest POS chain, but it's the POS chain of the major one that has the less, the lower percentage of staking participation, uh, like much less than Solana, than Matic, or actually Polygon POS, Avalanche, and all of the others. 
And I think one of the biggest exponents for that is that uh, people haven't had the ability to end like, and so just the opportunity cost and, and the risk calculations of going into a like position of ETH uh, were much higher. And so I personally, uh, and, and not speaking for Lido, but I personally see a lot more stake coming into Ethereum overall. And I think a big part of that is just going to be into liquid slacking because of all of the composability that it allows now. Yeah, great answer. Um, so just like a TLDR for my kind of idiot brand there. So before Shanghai, you've kind of primarily been focused on what is the cost benefit to incentivize stake ETH pools across different DeFi protocols. Um, and then off the back of Shanghai kind of going live when people can actually stick with Lido and then um, just redeem the ETH because uh, withdrawals will be available. Um, does this put Lido in a position where it becomes more kind of, I don't know if it's profitable, the right word, or sustainable, or reducing the emissions drastically? And like, how do, how do you guys think, kind of think of that? And is there any kind of rough projections of how kind of those emissions will come down and you'll still be able to kind of get the best bang for your buck effectively? Yeah, um, I think that that's absolutely right. Uh, although that has been something that has been happening for maybe half a year now, which is that um, notoriously Lido uh, was known to have this massive incentive program for for on-chain liquidity, which w- was like um, was a part of the of the strategy to actually make ST very usable by protocols, and was what allowed like Aave to integrate it, uh, Maker to integrate it as collateral on those. And, and really boosted um, the usability and, and utility of ST. Uh, but uh, the incentives program has been coming down very drastically over the, I, I think maybe since September, uh, since the merge. So imagine that in 2022, uh, in a normal month, in, in, in the summer or before, uh, it was around 5 million LDO a month, which is a very, very large amount. And now we just published the budget um, asking basically the DAO for those incentives for March, and it's going to be 1.1 million. So that was already a, a big come down that a lot of people don't realize. But um, post withdrawals, it's super expected to have it be even even lower, right? Because of exactly what you mentioned, um, we don't really look at it as as profitability. It's more that uh, the treasury will just be um, will we'll just have a much higher runway, right? So if we're not paying five million a month and we're paying five k. Uh, LDO a month, uh, and we have 100 million LDO in the treasury, it just allows the protocol to just keep that run rate of incentives and, and and all of that for much longer. And then the other interesting thing is that if we don't need to have 2 billion or 3 billion of dollars of on-chain liquidity for ST, then a lot of those incentives that we're supporting that can be directed towards other, other things, right? So we can diversify the types of pairs that pair impulse against ST, uh, like have stable coins and other governance tokens, or just other sorts of integrations that are not specifically ETH and ST ETH in a pool. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And um, my final question, which I think will be a good segue into the, the Gearbox side as well, is where primarily have the lion's share of emissions being distributed towards? Is it Curve, Convex? Is there any additional ones? I know Balancer and Aura starting to get the uh, much needed well and well-deserved attention is and is there kind of um additional protocols that you kind of foresee in the near future that kind of could be subject to those kind of incentives and emissions and things like that as well yeah uh totally uh, so so exactly right uh 
historically, Curve has been by far uh, the largest pool receiving incentives from Lido. Uh, at one point in 2022, it was receiving around 2.5 million LDO a month just for, for those LPs, which is a very, very significant amount. And again, it was billions of dollars of TVL there, so uh, that was the effect of it. Uh, Ballester is our second largest um, incentives line, line item, but um, there are a bunch of other DEXs, and there are also cross-chain incentives, right, for ST Solom Solana, for Estimatic on Polygon and, and, and all of the others. Um, going forward, uh, going forward, like liquidity really had to be supported throughout the last two years for Lido because that that's one of the parts of the product that made it work uh, of Steve. Uh, if it didn't have liquidity, then uh, people wouldn't be comfortable going into the position. So they just have that blocker and, and, and not drive growth. Uh, integrations wouldn't be comfortable supporting a good risk parameters for for ST because again, um, it, 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 if any sort of significant amount got liquidated there, they need to just throw off the the, the ratio of ST tweet in terms of price, and large users also wouldn't uh, be able to enter the positions because uh, there there just wouldn't be sides for them, uh, and there was no way to support liquidity at that at that depth uh, without a, a large incentives program. Now that's not going to be the case. Um, so we think that there's a possibility of incentivizing other sorts of integrations, even though that we think that other integrations should be sustainable uh, at some point by themselves, right? So for example, our Ave integration is one of the most successful ones in DeFi, where there's the very famous loop of just uh, depositing STs, borrowing it there, um, converting that back into a seat and then doing that uh, three times around. And that's an integration that really doesn't need any sorts of incentives. It just works organically. And um, and the yield is also organic because uh, lenders of ETH are getting bite, um, stakers and leveraged stakers in that case as well. And so it's a, it's a perfectly good integration that doesn't really need any sorts of incentives. So I think it will be important to bootstrap some new stuff, but at the end of the day, we're all aiming for sustainability, so. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Great answer as usual. Um, so yeah, from, from the Gearbox side, how, how, are, how are you guys thinking about going to Shanghai? Is, is there like immediate effects? Is this kind of second and third order effects? It's just, it's just nice to kind of hear from the other side of the fence, like how you guys are thinking about it going into it. Don't know who wants to pick that one up, but Mughal Yes, first of all, I guess uh, I should note that leveraging stack to series one of the largest use cases in Garbox. Uh, and there we should see that there is uh, original uh, leverage staking of LIDA, and second one is where actually users leverage their uh, curve convex positions. And Second one, I guess, use case very similar to uh, the other use case that uh, Carlos mentioned uh, before. And second uh, use case is something more unique and possible on the on Gearbox side. Uh, and after after Shanghai release, uh, I believe there will be some changes yet because like uh, risk for uh, having stake position will dramatically reduce. Because, like, for now, you the only option to withdraw assets is like uh, sell uh, on Curve and other deep liquidity pools, and that's the reason why uh, a team has 
big incentive for such kind of pools. And after Shanghai release, there will be like usual use case when you can use drop uh, money from second contract. And that from my vision that this is reduce some interest rate spread between Ethereum and uh, stacked Ethereum rewards. But still, I guess that leverage staking will not die. Just maybe API that users wanted to get will be lower, but also that comes with lowering the risk of that kind of position. Yeah, because like there is no need to, uh, there is no option to be stuck in some liquidity crunch crisis and so on, so on. Uh, so I think leverage staking use case will remain liquidity for stacked Ethereum on DEXs, I guess, a little bit reduced. Uh, after lowering the uh, rewards, uh, but still the more uh, demand will be for organic trading uh, goes, uh, the more uh, API goes from organic uh, trading on DEXs. So I guess like there will be some other equilibrium point for both leverage taking and DEX liquidity. And I guess gearbox inventory here would be very uh, beneficial to build different leverage strategies on such kind of stuff. Yeah, makes a, makes a lot of sense. So just to kind of, just to separate out the kind of looping strategy on Aave from Gearbox, obviously both great examples of how you could effectively lever up staked ETH. So with, with the Aave side, um, you'd be effectively depositing staked ETH in Lido borrowing stables, rebuying stake teeth and deposit and then just looping it that way so from from the gearbox side how, how does how does that look without having to go through those loops and what's the capital efficiency like uh going through gearbox mm -hmm. yeah uh, in gearbox uh, leverage uh, users they open credit account credit account is like uh leverage primitive uh invented by gearbox it's the latest smart contract where you can deposit uh initial collateral and then borrow up to extend uh, funds from the uh, liquidity pools. So in case of leveraging uh, stack testing, for example, you can deposit uh, one, one X, one Ethereum, get uh, later 10 Ethereum from, uh, from the pools as, uh, as debt. And then you have this 10 Ethereum on your credit account, which actually like some smart contract wallet. Uh, and you can't just withdraw this money or go away. You have limited options to interact with different DeFi protocols. In, and one of these protocols is you can interact with LIDAR, smart contracts. Other use case, you can interact with uh, Curve uh, trading uh, pools. So for example, you can swap a little bit 50% uh, of your Ethereum to stack Ethereum and uh, then deposited to uh, Curve, uh, got as a result uh, LP position, uh, STH, CRV. And then you can deposit this uh, LP Curve tokens to Convex. And yeah, as a result, you have like this uh, leverage position. Uh, you get res uh, rewards from uh, both CRV, CVX and LIDAR. Uh, on, on, on their staking contracts, uh, but everything actually like uh, on your credit account, so you can uh, withdraw uh, staking rewards later. And yeah, and that's how it works. Yeah, uh, I'll just add that to a bit. So 
the larger difference that you see between leverage that you get through staking versus on gearbox is uh, the capital efficiency bit that you exactly you know t- uh, touched upon uh, so if you're going with ave if they have an ltv of say 80% then effectively you can only borrow up to 80% of the value that you have put up as collateral and when you go with the second uh, second turn on it it goes down to 64 and after that it goes down to about uh, 50% and uh, what effectively happens over time is that your leverage becomes very limited so about 3x 3.5x is maximum you can get after looping quite a lot right uh, if you go through the gearbox mechanism where you can you know borrow up to 9x of your collateral that's where you get capital efficiency that's much higher uh just in terms of percentages a 3x is effectively a 300% efficiency while we can offer you about 1000% on your capital uh meanwhile the entire mechanism of doing the same thing is much simpler right uh, to go through the looping mechanism you have to put in a lot of manual operational uh, work in order to achieve that and uh, at the same time pos- managing a position in itself can become slightly tricky uh while if you go through just the uh, gearbox method we have something called multi coil so you know what elgis was talking about in terms of uh, leveling up eth then putting it on lido then uh, going through curve then convex and that entire procedure you don't actually have to go through multiple uh, protocols in terms of actually opening up the dapps right because they are contracts at the end of the day so how gearbox composability works today with a multi call feature is that you can in a single click go ahead lever up and deploy the position on convex in a single transaction without actually having to do much so that's a very good ux feature that we have and uh, that's how that's where we largely differ from uh, looping and le- leverage right where we have almost triple the capital efficiency uh, while still having much better ux Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And just for for anyone who's w- worrying about, well, how if I'm depositing on the lending pool and these strategies are going off and being highly highly levered in all these protocols, I think it's I think it's important to point out that the people who are borrowing the funds don't necessarily have the rights to do whatever they want to do with them. It's strictly siloed into proven kind of strategies as well. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know if you just want to kind of clarify and touch on that. yeah uh, so that's what we call the allowed list right so i mean if you uh, want to just borrow 10 eth against 1 eth and want to put that into baby inu shiba or something like that that's not something that's possible uh, there we have an allowed list uh, which looks at assets in terms of their dex liquidity uh, on at their scale in gearbox in itself and what would happen if we historically backtest the liquidations and uh, what would happen to the bad debt so wherever we feel there's enough safety on an asset that's the only asset that we approve for now that's the safer aspect of gearbox uh, of course we'll be going a little more degen with the uh, mid tail assets soon uh, probably in v3 or whatever comes up next but yeah that's how we kind of safeguard your lp without actually ever letting the borrower custody it makes a lot of sense um so I just want to get into kind of Lido and Gearbox kind of synergies and how both sides of the fence are thinking about this. I uh, Carbus, I don't know if you want to kind of kick us off if you you guys have got any kind of very clear cuts where you see the synergies lie here, maybe post Shanghai or even even in the present day, I suppose. Um I think that I think that probably uh <laughs> the people on the Gearbox side would have um much better ideas than me on this in general. Um in general we see st thus basically two things so i think one of them would be 
the best source of a base layer, layer of yield in DeFi. Uh, I think it is already that now. So I think that at least like uh, whenever I thought about it, uh, there's not any other, uh, other single token that brings as much um, yield in absolute terms to, to Ethereum DeFi as this T. Um, which is which is understandable, right? There's there now $8 billion of TVL um, at 4 or 5% uh, staking rewards a year. It's uh, it's very significant. And so um, it's totally understandable that all sorts of protocols on top, uh, be it as just normal collateral use case, uh, all the way up to uh, leverage use cases, um, um, make a lot of sense on top of it. Um, I mentioned the Ave loop earlier. I know that, of course, on Gearbox, there are also many possibilities of, of leveraging up on ST. And I think that the key thing post Shanghai and post withdrawals is that it's gonna be even safer to do all of these strategies on top of ST, right? Because up until now, you basically have to, um, you have to price in the risk of market forces, uh, discounting the value or the relative value of ST to ETH. Because um, like, we know that there's one-to-one -one redeemability in the future of Vestit, but at a certain point in time, obviously um, the trading ratio can drop, uh, like it did, for example, post Luna last year, and that was just a market phenomenon, right? And I think that the key thing is that once withdrawals are enabled, it's going to be much harder for the market to price Vestit lower than one ETH at any given point in time, because um, in in a, in a couple of days or at at the worst in a couple of weeks. Um, Basically, all of the ETH gets uh, withdrawn or, or unstaked until it's sold back into ETH and then arbitraged back to one to one. And I think that because of that, strategies like gearboxes um, built on top of ETH just become uh, safer and therefore more usable. And and when I say more usable, is uh, either higher leverage or um, slightly higher risk strategies that just get de-risked post withdrawals. Awesome, awesome. Um, does Gearbox decide want to? Obviously, I, I see some immediate strategies and and kind of synergies there, but I don't know how you guys are thinking of uh, Stake D, Flido, and the whole Gearbox kind of collaboration partnership and, and synergies. Yeah. Uh, to be very honest, how we look at it, uh, I mean, to think about just liquid staking, right? I mean, uh, it's one of the purest forms of yield you can get in DeFi. To be very honest. Uh, the source of yield here is literally, one, the emission of additional Ethereum that happens every year. And second, comes from the usage of Ethereum itself, right? With the burnt fees as well as MEV. So it's one of the best sources of yield uh, that we feel is there. And we also feel it's very sustainable if you are obviously, you know, bullish on uh, Ethereum being used over the next few years, right? So this is something that's sustainable. That's uh, something that's real. And uh, that's hard to combine DeFi, to be very honest. And... Uh, with that being possible and Lido making the entire thing now liquid, uh, I believe that we're in a pretty good position to leverage LSE. So again, how Gearbox works as is the base layer of leverage for DeFi, right? So when uh, Lido goes ahead and creates that staking mechanism, which works so uh, well, all we need, really need to do is just activate leverage over there because you're getting real ETH. You use the entire mechanism that Lido has created, but we just give you the ability to leverage it up and thus turn it into like a leveraged uh, LSD strategy. So whatever strategies that are being developed, we are kind of not competing with them, but collaborating with all of them. Uh, 
so that's a largely the structure that gearbox follows and uh, obviously post shanghai we are expecting an increase in staking and more specifically in liquid staking uh so yeah uh, pretty good uh, and pretty you know sure about liquid staking being something that will be here for years and uh, be sustainable Nice, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, so we've got around twenty minutes left on, on the clock. I know there's a lot of people in here. So if there's if there's any questions from the audience, anyone wants to put the hand up, uh, we'll do it like a first in, first out kind of style. If anyone's got any questions, just request to speak. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, uh, we're just as we're waiting for people to kind of request, I know we've got some kind of comments below. A lot of them are just shit posts, so I won't get into them. So, Carvis, with um, this is something I've kind of always wondered. Like, with the stake ETH and ETH and the ratio, and do you think the market can price in like a risk premium prior to Shanghai? And do you think that'll just completely converge to kind of one to one post that? I know it's been holding quite steady for for a while now, but um, do you think there is like a perceived market premium for holding stake ETH at, at this point in time? And like, how how do you guys kind of think about that? Um, I think the key thing there is that it it is totally true that us as just like this ratio is just a market sentiment thing, right? It's completely outside of Lido. It's completely outside of whatever work we do. It's just like literally on DEXs, how much are people willing to buy in ETH terms or exchange in ETH terms for one ST? And sometimes they're willing to exchange uh, 0.99 ETH and sometimes they're willing to exchange one. And um, it is really interesting uh, if you guys want to dive deeper on this, if you go to the Lido Analytical um, account on Dune, on general analytics, uh, we have our curve pool, which is the main one there, pretty well mapped out. And um, as basically in the past two months, as updates uh, from the Ethereum Foundation on on Shanghai and and just in general, as updates on that and, and more certainty and confirmation on that uh, came out, in, just in terms of, of communications, um, we literally saw the the that gap closing, and and the gap was very small back then. Um, to even two months ago, it was very, very small still. It was probably under 1%, um, which is which is fine. It's just kind of like a zero coupon bond in traditional finance where uh, you know that you're going to be able to redeem for the underlying the future, but not now. And so it just prices slight, slight discounts. I think there are two things. So one of the things that affects the, that ratio that people don't really take into, mind, in, into account is that uh, if there's... A lot, uh, a lot more demand to go into ETH than go out of ETH. So if there are net new people that want to stake it in general with Lido, uh, then it's very hard for that ratio to be either one to one because there's just net inflows. And whenever there's a net inflow, if it's not one to one, those people will just opt to purchase um, ETH on DEXs instead of stake new ETH. And so I think now that we, we're seeing uh, total ETH like grow in general outside of Lido. Uh, that obviously allows uh, Lido's, uh, Lido's TVL also to grow. And so that's one of the things that has been uh, putting it back into line. And then the other is just uh, the psychological expectation that you are going to be able to withdraw. So even if it was uh, just a couple of basis points of discounts, um, you can basically go into that position. And then whenever withdrawals are ready, you could arbitrage it back or just hold it and you got 
uh, maybe a couple extra days of yield for that year. Uh, let's call it that, right? Um, so I think that post withdrawals are one of the things that we will still need to have liquidity on indexes because withdrawals are not going to be instant, right? So it's not going to be perfect a perfect market where it's always going to be perfectly, perfectly one. But um, it should never uh, go into the ranges that we saw, for example, in in, in uh, mid twenty twenty two post Luna collapse or or when the FTX collapsed and all of that, and there was a lot of turbulence. Um, there's still going to be some um, wiggle room for it to move slightly, just because um, if there's like a couple million of ETH now or five million of ETH, I think it's around that number. That's like the Lido, um, not even a, a not even uh, like 10% or much less. I, I'm actually not sure but of the number, but a very small percentage of that will be able to exit into ETH at any given day. And so if there is one of those market events, like an FTX collapse, a Luna collapse, and there's a lot more demand to exit, then people will still need to just sell a lot of it on DEXs, which will bring the ratio slightly down. But um, just over time, it will always go back up because, um, <laughs> because there's just the arbitrage mechanism. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So I've uh, got Joe come up as a speaker. The floor, the floor is yours, sir, if you want to ask any questions. Might fall asleep. <laughs> uh, Joe, can you hear us? No. All right. Well, while we're waiting for Joe to come back, um, so he's opening his mic. No, All right. So yeah, um, I think I think that we can kind of round it up there. Um, it's been great, and thank you both. Well, all three of you guys for coming. Um, as I say, we will pull this down and get it onto YouTube and Spotify. So if you want to find that, it's just YouTube.com/slash/blockmates and just type us in on Spotify. Um, that'd be great. And yeah, I suppose further down the line, once Shanghai's all gone live and withdrawals are open and things like that and start seeing the second and third order effects. I think we should kind of run this back just to see um, if some of the kind of premonitions were kind of came true and things like that. So, um, but yeah, guys, thanks a lot. And everyone in the audience, thank you very much for your time and uh, we'll see you all soon. Yep. Awesome. Thank, thank, thank you. you thank you. All right. Take it easy. See ya. Yep. Mr. Flack.